Listener Production. Have you ever had a child who just does not want to go to school? What school refusal looks like is kids who it's not about not wanting to go to school on a one-off here or there. It's more a regular pattern of consistently not wanting to go to school. Today on Feed, Play, Love, dealing with school refusal. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. When I was seven, my mother had to literally drag me to school, as in I was pulling one way and she was pulling the other way. Fast forward to today, I am now a mother myself with a child who just doesn't want to go to school. And it's heartbreaking. I mean, I feel bad what I did to my mum back then, but it's heartbreaking for my child and it's heartbreaking for me. School refusal is a real problem for many parents and their children. Dr. Sarah Hughes is a clinical psychologist, author and mum. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good, thank you. When we're talking about school refusal, it's a bit more than Monday-itis, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that is often a thing for kids as well, but school refusal tends to be uh, quite a relentless thing, actually. It's really hard for parents to manage. But yeah, kids just not wanting to go to school on a really regular basis. Often, you know, it's a massive struggle to get them sort of out the door and then a huge struggle again at school drop off. Um, and there's often, you know, things like not being able to or not wanting to go to school and talking about not wanting to go to school, you know, from Saturday morning sort of thing. It's, it's a really, really difficult thing. Like it's always on their mind, isn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. And what are some of the reasons that children don't want to go to school? It's interesting because it actually, I mean, school refusal behaviour of not wanting to go to school, it looks the same, but it can be caused by like really different underlying causes. So for some kids, it's more of a behavioural issue. So it's kind of a power play, like I don't want to go because you're telling me that I have to go and I don't like being told what to do. So for some kids, that's what school refusal is about. Other kids, it might be more to do with anxiety. So they might have separation anxiety and find it really hard to separate from a parent at school drop off. Or they might have other sort of general anxiety about, you know, someone's going to forget to pick me up from school or I'm having trouble in the classroom and I'm not understanding the work that's being done. And so I feel really anxious about about going to school because of that, or it could be to do with friendship issues as well. And sometimes that might be bullying, but sometimes it can also just be, you know, having a lot of difficulty navigating um, friendships, lots of fights with peers. There might have been a big blow up in their peer group and it's had all these kind of ramifications that are, you know, ongoing, but it can be due to a whole different range of factors. And in your clinical practice, have you found that school refusal has gone up? Do you think that COVID lockdowns had an impact on the levels of school refusal we're seeing now? No, it's interesting because you would think so. And maybe it has. I mean, I can only speak anecdotally in terms of what I'm seeing, but obviously, you know, it's much bigger than just what I see. Um, I haven't seen an increase. I'd say it's definitely the same. I think potentially when schools first opened back up, I think there was a real adjustment period. And 
there was probably a lot of parents really struggled with trying to get their kids to go back to school then. I don't think, I think that's sort of really settled. One of the things that was really interesting was that, you know, one of the guidelines was a lot of schools had was that, you know, parents aren't allowed on school grounds. And for a lot of kids that have separation anxiety, often, you know, a parent will accompany them into the school, um, stand in the school playground until the bell goes, things like that have become ways of trying to navigate and help to support their child. And all of a sudden that was off the table. And initially, you know, I sort of thought, oh no, this is going to create, you know, huge problems for a lot of anxious kids. But actually what happened was that because it was just this hard line, no, that can't happen. And because kids knew that it it wasn't actually an option, it actually almost had the opposite effect where it it actually helped kids to be able to separate more easily because they they knew that there wasn't sort of the option of of mum or dad sort of standing in the playground. Oh yeah, I can definitely see how that would, would help. Um, some of the things you mentioned that might lead to school refusal, like um, anxiety that, you know, the parent wouldn't be there to, to pick them up or they're struggling in with their schoolwork, those sorts of things sounds like sound like things that parents can intervene with effectively. You know, they can um, talk their child through when they pick them up. See, I picked you up today and it's going to happen tomorrow. And, and, you know, and they can talk to teachers about schoolwork I think the hard thing is when it comes to friendships and the issues they might have navigating friendships because a lot of the advice around that is that parents should butt out and not get involved Uh, and they're certainly not that they – and it's certainly – the advice is definitely do not go and talk to the other child, the parent, that is. Yeah, no. No. So you're wanting your child to learn how to navigate these situations and yet it can cause such great distress for them. Yeah, it really does. And I think there's still definitely ways to help support kids in that. So one of the things that I often work with kids a lot on um, is to do with teaching assertiveness skills. So sometimes some of the friendship dynamics are coming from, you know, there's one person within the peer group who's more of a stronger personality and they kind of drive the dynamics of the group. And it can be really hard for kids to you know, say no or put their own kind of viewpoints forward and and that's part of why they feel quite insecure within that peer group. And so helping to sort of build confidence and helping them to have the skills to be assertive and to grow confident with being assertive, that can actually make a really massive difference as well. So that's definitely a way um, to be able to help to support kids. And I think the other thing too is that if they're like say that there's a group of four and there's one person in particular that, you know, a child's having difficulty with, sometimes helping to strengthen their friendships with the other two kids in the group is really important as well. And often a great way to do that is by trying to organise playdates or doing extracurricular activities together. You're not doing that in a way where you're, you know, maliciously excluding the other child. But if your child's feeling more secure in some of their other friendships, that offers a really um, significant buffer against any ill feelings that they're having in that other main relationship as well. You've already explained that it's not just a case of a few one day or every Monday saying that they don't want to go to school. This is repeated behaviour saying they don't want to go to school. It can be pretty extreme, right? Like you can have a yeah. child that's crying You said they're talking about it on the Saturday before the Monday. So it's quite, uh, they're quite big feelings that your child is displaying. And it can be really challenging when they're feeling those big feelings 
to say, I'm sorry, you still have to go to school. Yeah. Particularly when we're being taught about mental health and having, you know, yeah. mental health days, right? <laughs> Do you have any yeah, tips? It's a little confusing. Make sure your child's okay, but it's totally fine to leave them screaming. That's yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and your heart's breaking because you're like, I can yeah. see how distressed you are, but I, you know that they need to go to school. Yeah. So yeah. do you have any tips on how to manage that? Like is there ever a time when it is right to say, okay, I can see you're really struggling today, you can stay home, or does that just open the floodgates and then they'll never want to go to school again? I think it can sort of depend on the situation. So I had um, earlier this year kind of, and it was following the lockdowns actually, and so I was taking my um, eldest is in preschool and we'd sort of he'd been out of preschool for months and he was going back and he just he usually goes really happily loves school um but he just was hysterical um and in my head I'm like okay avoidance is bad I need to try to get him there you know he was just so distraught that I ended up saying you know what bud it's it's all right we're gonna just stay home today we are gonna need to go tomorrow and we're gonna put a plan in place but for right now I think let's just sort of have some time at home today um and I guess my point in sharing that is just that that's okay to do. Like, I think, yes, if if it then becomes, okay, a week later we're still having that, that's when you kind of go, okay, I need to take a different approach. But if, you, if your sense is like something's really wrong and I just feel like my child needs my support right now and it's not a really long-standing pattern, um, it is okay to offer that. Um, I think in terms of other sorts of strategies that you can look at might be things like, especially if your child's in primary school, it doesn't work so well in high school, but in primary school, you can kind of talk to the school and if you have a good teacher, they can often be quite helpful in terms of there might be a bit of a program in place where, you know, your child might meet their teacher at the school office or something, or the child might go in 10 minutes before the bell and they have a special sort of job that they help the teacher with, or they, you know, help with setting up the classroom or something like that as a way for them to kind of just have a little bit of extra time and space to settle into the classroom. They've got an activity to do. So they're a bit more distracted. They're not just sort of sitting there thinking about how much they don't want to be at school. Um, Things like organizing, you know, if it's possible, organizing for your child to go into school you know for a period of week or something just to get on a bit of a roll but with another child or meeting a friend before school for you know a baby china or a hot chocolate or something and then going up to school um those sorts of things can be really helpful too and then a big part because the thing about school refusal too is that sometimes what starts it is not actually what maintains it so if you have a child who has actually missed a lot of school having trouble or feeling a bit anxious because they're not understanding what's happening in the classroom, that might not have been what started the school refusal, but because they've now missed so much school, it has actually become a factor in terms of what's keeping it going. Or likewise, you know, maybe friendship issues wasn't actually part of the initial driving force that started the school refusal, but now because they've had so much time off school and they haven't been around their friends and they're feeling a bit disconnected and sort of left out, um, that might become a barrier to getting back to school again um and so when that's the case kids usually have pretty low motivation to get to school which is very understandable um and they're not going to have as adults we can kind of go okay I don't want to go but I sort of know that I have to and I know that it's in my best interest to go but kids aren't going to have that level of insight and so 
what we can do is sort of help them to overcome their motivational challenges with things like rewards if it gets to it down the track and this would be more to do with if it was a behavioral issue you might also start to look at consequences um, for not going to school um, or things like making home as boring as possible so <laughs> there might be sometimes kids that I work with and the parents will come in and sort of say, oh, God, like we're having huge issues and attendance is so bad and we're just at a loss, we don't know what to do. And I start asking questions around, okay, so when you don't go to school, what are you doing? They're like, oh, it just sits in his, you know, room on the iPad all day. It's like, well, yeah, I do that too. (laughs) I'd not want to go to school if that was what was on offer. And so it might then be about looking at, okay, well, if you're going to stay home today, we, you know, there's no access to electronics. You need to do a little bit of schoolwork at home. Um, again, though, that might be more if it's to do with like more of a behavioural sort of approach. You wouldn't necessarily jump to that if it's anxiety related. But you might sort of look at some rewards to try to help overcome and sort of say, I know that this is really hard for you and I know that you don't want to be at school today. You know, what if we planned, how about, you know, because I know it's so hard, I want to sort of recognise that. And what I think we could do is, you know, if we're able to get to school today, then after school we could do X, Y or Z or you might have a more structured sort of reward system in place where, you know, we earn a tick or a sticker or whatever for each day that we get there and if we earn three stickers we can have, you know, this particular reward or if we get a whole week it's a bigger reward. Or But that can be a nice way as well to... It sounds like you're bribing your kids to go to school, which you kind of are, but the reason (laughs) behind it is that it just helps to break that pattern because avoiding school, the longer that you avoid school for, it's almost like the harder it is to get back and you might need rewards to sort of offset that. At what point does it become enough of a problem that your child needs professional support? It's like that's a, a tricky one to answer, but I would say that if you're having trouble, like if it's been two or three weeks and you're sort of feeling like, okay, this isn't getting better and if anything it might be getting a little bit worse, I'd probably start the process. And, you know, some people might say, oh, that's a bit early, you know, you're kind of jumping onto it. But like I was just saying, especially with school refusal, the difficulty is that the longer it's been going on for, the harder it can be to reverse. It's still completely possible. It is always possible to get kids back to school. There's always a way to do it. But it's often a lot easier to do it the earlier that you intervene. So I would usually say to families, you know, you're better off coming in sooner rather than later because it might need, you know, you only need a a couple of sessions and you can really intervene and kind of get a plan in place to help to support the child, both in terms of their emotions and their big feelings, but also like at a practical level in terms of things that could be perhaps done differently at school to sort of support attendance as well. Sarah, thank you so much for your time today. Absolute pleasure. That's Dr. Sarah Hughes. She's a clinical psychologist, author and commentator, and we'll put links to her website in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the Listener app and don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.